To start us off, here's the City of Birmingham Symphony Orchestra Chorus with Francis Cecil Alexander's setting of St Patrick's Breastplate.
the City of Birmingham Symphony Orchestra Chorus with I Bind Unto Myself Today or St Patrick's Breastplate. Sarah Lacey with another piece inspired by words of St Patrick. Uh, It's set to a traditional Irish tune again and this is Be Thou My Vision. Yeah. 
Another Celtic sound appropriate enough for Be Thou My Vision, a traditional Irish tune there, the singer was Sarah Lacey. Now let's go over to David to hear about today's sonnet. Malcolm Geit has written a sonnet to celebrate St Patrick, patron saint of Ireland. It is followed by Voices 8 singing part of St Patrick's Breastplate by Arvo Pert. Here is a new sonnet of mine written for St Patrick's Day, thinking particularly about how when he first went to Ireland it was as a captive and a slave and how he escaped and uh, then afterwards was called to return to share the gospel with his oppressors. So, Patrick. Six years a slave and then you slipped the yoke till Christ recalled you through your captor's cries. Patrick, you had the courage to turn back with open love to your old enemies, serving them now in Christ, not in their chains, bringing the freedom he gave you to share. You heard the voice of Ireland in your veins, her passion and compassion burned like fire. Now you rejoice amidst the three in one, refreshed in love and blessing all you knew. Look back on us and bless us, Ireland's son, and plant the staff of prayer in all we do, a gospel seed that flowers in belief, a greening glory coming into leaf. about St. Patrick and his writings in a little while, but before that, here is the Morriston Orpheus Choir with As the Deer Pants for the Water.
Protestant office choir there with As the Deer Pants for the Water So My Soul Longs After You as written by Martin Nystrom in the 1980s. Now it's your turn, David. Jeff Nixon produces book reviews for Pitlochry Baptist Church magazine. Today she's talking about The Cry of the Deer or St. Patrick's Breastplate by David Adam. The book I want to introduce this morning is called The Cry of the Deer, Meditations on the Hymn of St. Patrick by David Adam, published by SPCK. Before he retired, the writer David Adam was vicar of Danby on the North Yorkshire Moors for over 20 years and then served the parish of Holy Island for 13 years. He's published several collections of prayers and meditations in the Celtic tradition, of which this book is one of the most popular. Two versions of the hymn attributed to St. Patrick are printed at the beginning. One by Kuno Meyer, known as The Cry of the Deer, and one, more familiar to us, The St. Patrick's Breastplate of Mrs. C.F. Alexander, which begins, I bind unto myself today the strong name of the Trinity, by invocation of the same, the three in one and one in three. Each chapter of the book takes the form of a meditation on different lines from the hymn, followed by exercises to assist the readers in putting into practice what they've learned. It is to the cry of the deer that I turn when the world threatens to overwhelm me and I feel I'm losing the sense of God's calming, loving presence in my life. The first chapter of the book, based on the lines from the hymn I've quoted above, immediately addresses the problem. The presence of God is an eternal fact. He never leaves us alone or forsakes us. It is when we lose sight of him that we falter and sink beneath the waves. We need to retain a clear vision of his presence to perceive the reality of his relationship with us and to act upon it. This is a theme the book returns to again and again, illustrated by poems and prayers in the Celtic tradition and episodes from Adam's own life. He stresses the necessity to, as the medieval Celts put it, tune the five-stringed harp, to keep each of our five senses alert to the fact of God and of his eternal presence. What gift is God giving us through our everyday experiences, through, for example, the beauty of his creation? What is he teaching us? In his chapter on the lines, I rise today through the strength of his crucifixion with his burial, Adam gives his readers an example of the way in which God teaches us if we are attuned to his voice. At the end of a youth meeting he was leading, he was worried that one little girl had a long way to go home down dark country lanes. Adam asked her if he should go with her. She replied that she was not afraid because her father was coming for her on his way home from buying her a new coat. As Adam later watched the girl leaving with her father, going home to try on her new coat, he realised that God was giving him a marvellous picture of a Christian facing death. Another recurring theme in the book is the absolute necessity to affirm to yourself and to, your, and to others your belief that God is always there. Adam describes himself as standing on a hillside 
watching a storm sweeping towards him. The words of a hymn came to mind and he spoke them aloud. The storm may roar around me, my heart may low be laid, but God is round about me and can I be dismayed? Adam calls us to obey Christ's command, Come to me, all of you who are tired from carrying heavy loads, and I will give you rest. Adam asserts again and again that do, we do not have a God of the remote past, nor a God who will come in the distant future. He is our God today, near at hand and ready to help right now. His chapter on the lines, I arise today through the strength of his resurrection with his ascension, is called Let Loose in the World. As the hymn affirms, because of his death and resurrection, Christ is everywhere in every age. Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ in mouth of friend and stranger. Repeating such words aloud in times of doubt or trouble is akin to obeying St Paul's commands to put on the whole armour of God. They also serve as a reminder to us that we can meet God in the people we encounter, another important theme in the book. I love the cry of the deer, and I'm sure that taking a fresh look at St Patrick's breastplate through Adam's eyes and doing the exercises he provides will help all readers to stand joyously firm in the faith that nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate them from the love of God and encourage them to put that faith into daily practice. The Cry of the Deer is written by David Adam and that was Terith Nixon talking about it. Terith quoted there from our next hymn, uh, the storm may roar without me, my heart may low be laid, but God is round about me, and can I be dismayed? So here are the Scottish festival singers with that hymn, In Heavenly Love Abiding. <laughs>
the Scottish Festival Singers in Heavenly Love Abiding. Steph McLeod and the Celtic Worship Band with a, their version of old favourite What a Friend We Have in Jesus.
favourite, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And now it's over to David again. Adrian Plass has written a book called The Unlocking, published by the Bible Reading Fellowship. Today, Adrian describes Gideon going into battle. Into battle. Dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them, with torches inside. Watch me, he told them. Follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp blow yours and shout, For God and Gideon! Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just after they had changed guard. They blew their trumpets and broke the jars. Grasping the torches in their left hands and holding in their right hands the trumpets they were about to blow, they shouted, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran, crying out as they fled. When the three hundred trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. Why do God's dealings with men involve such a strange mixture of supernatural intervention and practical common sense? The Israelite army had been reduced by God to a mere 300, but I guess they must have been a very select body of fighting men. As Gideon organised the distribution of jars, torches and trumpets, sounds like a Salvation Army open-air evening street mission, doesn't it? In preparation for the execution of this startlingly creative battle plan, he knew that he had the best. Not the most, but the best. And what an appalling shock for the sleeping Midianites to be suddenly surrounded by sound and light where there had been only silence and darkness. Morale was already low in the enemy camp, as Gideon's secret mission had revealed. No wonder the enemy soldiers turned their swords on each other, confused and panic-stricken, by an attack that seemed to be all around them and in their very midst. Gideon had done it. God must have been exhausted. The story of Gideon suggests some very interesting and perhaps significant principles. It is God who initiates the battles that we shall be involved in, not us. We learn also that God chooses weak and fearful people for the big tasks. We might find that encouraging or terrifying. Or both. The credit has to go to God, not the Church of England, the Evangelical Alliance, Gideon or Adrian Plass. God will shake down individuals and institutions until they are seen to be the most pure and basic unit capable of carrying out a divine commission. And God is practical. His ways may seem strange at times, but the result will be something that works in the real world. And finally, the battle will be won. Take heart, my fellow fearful ones. If Gideon could do it, so can we. Can't we? Pray with me. Father, we would like to respond to the lessons that you've taught us through this story. Give us the patience to accept the training and the shaking down that will make us ready for the job. Remind us that the credit 
goes to you. Amen. Here's Darling Check with Shout to the Lord.
was Darlene Check with her song, My Jesus, My Saviour, or Shout to the Lord. Now it's back to David one more time. Matt Canlis was Assistant Minister at Pilochry during his probationary year. His first charge was at Meslick in Aberdeenshire, where he stayed for seven years. He's now back in the USA at Wenatchee in Washington State, but he still helps to organise the Abbey Summer School in Edinburgh each year. While at Methlick, he wrote an interesting letter, which is read for us now by local actor Greg Powery in a suitable American accent. A letter from Matt. A half day in the life of Methlick Parish. 30th November 2007. I awoke this morning to darkness. I hoped there was still time to sleep, but Caitlin's crying and Iona's stinky nappy signaled that it was 7 a.m. Much about life in Methlick is pretty regular. More than one morning, I have lain in bed a few extra minutes, wondering, what am I doing here? A favorite quote from Julie's thesis on St. Irenaeus is that the glory of God is a human fully alive, Generally, I love that quote, but in particular, in Methlick, I have been asking God, how can I be fully alive in such an empty place? This morning, he answered me. After changing the nappy, I opened a window to let in the fresh air. There's plenty of that in Aberdeenshire, and one breath of the cold winter wind makes me regret calling Methlick empty. Wild is more like it. When I walk the children to school at 9 a.m., Chapman and Madeline huddle in behind Caitlin and Iona's double jogger for shelter. Last week's storms have turned the village river, the River Ethan, into a loch that has flooded the field leading up to the manse. Chapman and I help move Farmer Collins' sheep out of the way just in time. Today, we drove to school. Well, not because we are intimidated by the weather, but because our blue eight-seater Volkswagen van is the only thing that can hold the giant painting Julie and I crammed in the night before. It usually hangs in the study behind my desk, where it is now. But just a few hours ago, I had it in Methlick Primary School, propped up in the assembly hall backwards. As the chaplain to the elementary school's 91 children, I go twice a month to give a five-minute talk during their Friday assemblies. On the front of the picture is an evocative gold-blue painting of St. Andrews, now known for its golf, but once known for the cathedral that housed the three finger bones, a kneecap, and one tooth of Jesus' disciple, Andrew. Andrew is the patron saint of Scotland, and the 30th of November is St. Andrew's Day. Now, the kids know all this, but when I ask what a saint is, their hands fall back into their laps. Finally... In the silence, I stretch out my own hand and a pointing finger. I say, a saint is somebody who points to God. Alison Reed, the principal, helps me turn the six-foot-by-five-foot painting around. Thus far, the children have been listening well, but now they are staring intently. I ask the children what they see. I see people in boats landing on the shore. I see a monk welcoming people. I see trees lining the path. I see a dog pointing its tail. I see the church filling with people. I interrupt their enthusiasm to ask, 
Would you like to touch what you see? Surprise on the children's faces, worry on their teachers. I show them not the tip of my finger with protruding nail, but the soft, padded part etched with fingerprint. A saint is somebody who touches God, touches people, touches animals. Come touch what you see. A long line of children, eyes still fixed upon the painting, stretches to the back of the room. The closest boy stretches out his fingerprint. He doesn't just touch the painting, he caresses it. His finger moves back and forth over a gnarled clump. Here the artist has piled up green and black paint to bring a tree branch to life. It took time to do that, and now the boy is taking his. A village dad, Joe Narducci, meets me at the school to help load the painting back into the van. We return to the manse, put back the painting, and watch as the Aberdeenshire forest ranger pulls up in his LPG-powered pickup truck. He is headed out into the parish to find some ancient stone hut circles and a burial cairn. Do we want to come? Leaving our cars in the driveway, we walk past the church, over the swollen river, and into a field that says, Beware of bull. I pretend this is no big deal. Then, haphazardly, I ask what one does if you encounter a bull in an open field, without one's trusty red cape. The ranger keeps walking, but suggests that I not stray too far from the fence. I look far and wide for the fence, and step in fresh cow dung. We're here, the ranger says, and I wonder where here is. Stretching out for miles is a barren landscape of brown heather, gray stones, and solitary trees. But nearby, I notice the ground is raised in a low-lying half-circle mound of dirt and stone. I follow it round and realize that the half-circle is in fact a full circle. We are standing in the middle. Around 200 B.C., this stone hut housed a Celtic family of our hunter-gatherers and farmers. They depended upon the land and upon each other. The ranger's words remind me that last night the Aberdeenshire Council rejected a plan to build a golf course and hotel along the coast 17 miles east of Methlick. Despite the economic prosperity this would bring to our fickle economy, the people rejected the plan, partly because of environmental concerns, and partly because they don't believe that tourism is an industry that should be encouraged. Trump's lawyers countered this argument by promising that Mr. Trump would invest so much into the land that it would look just as natural and even more wild than before. The ranger grinned. And next year I'll look a year younger. The church bell rings out twelve chimes, and I remember that Hot Soup and Julie are waiting for me as well as Sunday's sermon. Half the day is gone, but I'm not half empty. I am half full. God has allowed me to see, taste, and touch his bounty in a place that can sometimes feel like a desert. When you think of us, please pray for the people of Methlick Parish. More and more folk are beginning to come to church, and as they do, I feel more and more pressure to perform my duties as the minister. I'm constantly fighting the temptation to take credit for the successes we have and or to take the blame for the failures. I must, instead, 
Focus simply on being a saint. Being a person who points to God and his faithfulness no matter what the circumstances. If I can help people do that, then many will begin to see that Jesus' love and mercy are mightier than they imagined. The Lord Jesus is always trying to name each of us. May you know his particular love for you. Matt. Uh, Greg Powdy there, reading a letter from Mark Canlis. Uh, before Mark was at Methlick, he did some practical training with Pitlochry Church of Scotland here, and he's now a minister in Washington State. But now it's time for more music, and here's Daniel O'Donnell, a song I rather like. It has only one word title. That's not why, the reason why I like it. It's a very optimistic song. It's called Footsteps. <laughs> Footsteps walking with me Footsteps I cannot see But every move I make And every step I take I know they're there with me They walk with me all the way Beside me day by day Through good and bad Through happy and sad Those footsteps won't go away I'll never walk in life alone There'll always be someone there I know he won't let me down He's with me everywhere The special things in life I've done Have been through him and his love I've been blessed in so many ways Thanks to the Lord above Footsteps walking with me Footsteps I cannot see But every move I make And every step I take I know they're there with me They walk with me all the way Beside me day by day Through good and bad Through happy and sad Those footsteps won't go away guiding me when I'm led by the hand of someone I can't see I'm not always sure where to go that's when I follow his lead I know that the pathway that he shows will help me to succeed footsteps walking with me Footsteps I cannot see But every move I make And every step I take I know they're there with me They walk with me all the way Beside me day by day Through good and bad Through happy and sad Those footsteps won't go away Through good and bad by my side they will stay
And Hill O'Donnell with Footsteps brings us almost the end of this week's Heart and Soul. We leave you with Laura Flores and Mercy Everlasting. Sun.